Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of DIY Money. We've got Logan back. Welcome. DIY Welcome. Money. Yeah, Quint's still gone. Quint just... It doesn't even come around anymore. He does. He does. Yeah. I'm just kidding. He was just he here this morning, yeah. uh, but he couldn't make the podcast. So we got Logan again and me again. Yeah, and we're matching, which is amazing. Gingham for the win. It's not really a fall pattern. It's just you have to explain day. that. I don't think most people know what Gingham, Gingham is. Gingham is the pattern where you have uh, a solid color with a white square plus an overlapping solid color, which creates effectively a third color. So if you've ever talked to anyone in finance, that's what they're wearing. Probably. Actually, a third and fourth color. How many, how many shirts like this do you have? Gingham? Yeah. Uh, five. Yeah, I have at least three. And a couple different colors because it's just what they sell at the store. <laughs> well, so dress shirts, you have gingham. You have plaid. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, pinstripe. Yeah. You've got something where it's like, uh, like a dotted texture. It's not dots. It's like, I don't know what it's called, but it's like, it looks textured, but it's mm, not. And okay. then you just have solid. Yeah. So really, when you go to like pick out a dress shirt, you have like five options mostly. That's probably wrong. Someone's gonna and you lean, comment or email you, and be like, you "There's lean. actually fifteen. <laughs> There's fifteen options of patterns in dress shirts." I have no idea. But gingham is like one of the most. I don't know for the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been obviously very popular because us cutting edge fashion guys. Yeah, soaking it up. It cracks me up when my girlfriend Hannah asks me like, "What I'm gonna wear to something, to an event or something like that." I'm like, my shirt. She knows what I mean when I say my shirt. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to wear that fourth shirt that I have out of five. And when when I ask her, what are you going to wear? She's going to say, I have nothing to wear. It's true. And that means that's lingo for I have nothing new to wear. And when she asks me what I'm going to wear and I say I have nothing to wear, it means I have nothing clean to wear. And if you're smart, you just leave the conversation there and move on. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, (laughs) we'll figure it out. Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) So anyhow, yes, the fun. Well, good. All right. Well, we do have a question today that we're going to talk about. Actually, good one. We're going to get into a good topic today that people may not know about or necessarily understand. Yeah. And it's part of investing. So we really want to dive a little bit deeper into it. So let's hear our question today from... Chris. DIY. DIY money. Got a question about ETFs and this thing I seen on social media to where you have the SPDR, Vanguard, and iShare ETFs. Yes, they have quite a few that are the same and similar, but in your personal experience, if you want to talk about that or what you see and what others do, whatever it may be, which one stands out more than the others? Because, again, they are somewhat comparable, but which one do you see stands out more than the other? DIY money. Chris gave us an intro. DIY money. He did. That was great. Like somebody should have chimed in right after him. (laughs) That had a second. Yeah, he didn't do money, 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 but he was there. You haven't done money, money, money. I know. How many money is it? Three? Four? I have no clue. But you know what's funny? I was listening to one of our old episodes. Yeah. And um, our producer 
put the money, money, money overlaying what I was saying. All right, one. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> nice. I like our producer. Yeah, I do too. Uh, so anyhow, ETFs. First off, let's start out with what is, if, if somebody hasn't doesn't know or hasn't listened to the show for a while, uh, what actually is an ETF? Yeah, so an ETF is an electronic traded fund. And basically what it does is it tracks an index. So now I'm going to throw it back to you. What is an index? Because there's a lot of definitions going on here. Yeah, so uh, an index is a grouping of stocks created by somebody or a company to track something. That's about as best of a right. Like, I mean, there's there's hundreds and thousands of indexes out there that mm-hmm. track different things. Many of the common indexes are like the S and P five hundred, yep, five hundred of the largest stocks um, in the United States, large cap stocks, or Maybe the Russell 2000, mm-hmm. which is small cap stocks, so smaller companies that are also traded publicly. But there's, I mean, there's hundreds yeah. out there. But even the S&P 500, there's discretion in how they create that index. So um, people might remember a little while back, Tesla was not in the S&P 500 because it didn't have, um, what was it, four consecutive quarters of mm-hmm. profit or whatever uh, the litmus basically is. So while they were still a very large company, they weren't yet represented in the index. And then they finally hit that threshold. They were added to the index. But by then, they had actually already had a lot of really good performance. So uh, people who were only investing in the S&P 500 effectively missed out on that share of Tesla's performance for some time. Now, in the long run, is that okay? Uh, potentially, if you just want to focus your returns on whatever those 500 plus, there's actually more than 500 stocks now in the S&P 500 index. Is it really? I did not know that. Well, because Google created two share classes and Uh, then there's a couple other like, it's like 503, 504. Okay. Yeah. So bad branding. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, S&P. But that S&P, Standard and Poor's, I don't think Standard or Poor are doing it anymore though. It's the same thing like the Big 12. The Big 12, there's like six teams still in there. What? I just totally shift. I just blew your mind. Football. Football. Mm -hmm. Big 12 has like I mean, everybody's leaving, but it's like, there's like eight teams in it. I bet they just couldn't get the trademarks. They're like, we'll just stick with... And the Big Ten has like 14 teams. This yeah. is why I don't follow sports. Okay, okay. Back to, back to the question. That's all so right. ETF, we define that. It's basically, uh, you kind of said it, but it's a fund of stocks. It can track an index, but not always, I guess. I mean, there's certain ETFs that they have an index as a benchmark, so they compare their mm. performance to an index, but doesn't necessarily track an index per se, because uh, there's actively managed ETFs. Uh, there's smart beta type of ETF, mm-hmm. things like that. So there's a lot of, but what he's, I think, talking about are, because he mentioned uh, Spider SPDR, which is a, a brand, a company that manages ETFs. He mentioned Vanguard and he mentioned iShares. Mm-hmm. iShares. Uh, those are all ETF managers. Some of their ETF products are index based. So Spider has SPY. Um, iShares QQ. No, Invesco QQQ. I don't know. Yeah, one of them has QQQ, which is the Nasdaq, and Vanguard has ETFs which track a lot of those things. Yep, and even things like the Total Stock Market Index or the Total International or the All World. Mm-hmm. Things of that nature. So, uh, so basically, what you're getting is you're getting a 
security, an investment product, which trades throughout the day. So you can actually see the price moving during the day, unlike a mutual fund, because a mutual fund has one price change every day. That's the price of the mutual fund at the close of the business day. So what all of the stocks in that fund did throughout the day, and then they set one one price at the close. Mm -hmm. So really one of the biggest differences between a mutual fund and ETF, because they can actually be the same thing. You can have an in, like an S&P index ETF and an S&P index mutual fund. Typically, one of the biggest differences between those two is the ETF you can transact during the day. You know exactly what price you're going to get it for. The mutual fund, you kind of put it in an order during the day, but you're going to get the price at the end of the day. And you'll only see that price update in future days at the end of the day as well. So yeah. small difference there. There's also some nuances to taxes and stuff like that for a lot of people mm-hmm. that ends up not being a huge issue, um, but there are some nuances there as well. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we have maybe just a generic recommendation for choose Vanguard or choose iBonds. Because we don't give personal recommendations. Because we don't choose, we don't give personal recommendations. And also there's a lot of good indexes and ETFs out there across various different companies. Mm-hmm. So, Whenever I know you and I look at this a lot in, in our business, what kind of things are we looking for when we're evaluating which ETF to pick over a, another ETF? Yeah. So one of the uh, main things I do is I look at uh, start starting off with your portfolio as a whole, looking at what investments do I need or want to put into that first. So before even thinking about which particular brand of ETF or companies of ETF that you want to put into your portfolio, first you have to figure out what is it you actually want to invest in? Uh, so depending on your goals, your time horizon, the level of risk you want to take, you might want to invest in stocks. You might want to invest in bonds. You have to construct sort of a portfolio first and figure out what you want to invest in. From there, then you can sort of pick, here's the investments that are going to fulfill those investment goals. So if you want to invest in stocks, then you have to choose, you know, do I want to invest in the total stock market or do I want to invest in the S&P 500? Do I want to invest in the all world, uh, all of those things are decisions you have to make if you don't just go, okay, I'll just buy a target date fund. Mm -hmm. Somebody's doing that whole investment allocation for me with this particular retirement date in mind, et cetera. Um, So I would start there. Then I would dial down into, okay, I want to have US stock market exposure. What do I want for that? Do I want the S&P 500? Do I want the US total stock market? Um, Either of those uh, have been options for me personally and for clients that we do. Um, you know, you're kind of gravitating between those two. The main difference between that is a total stock market is going to give you smaller company exposure. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping in mind that that's a much smaller percent of the overall portfolio that they own. So the broad market is going to give you that. The Something like a S&P 500 or something like that is going to pretty much give you like large company exposure. Yeah. Either way, either of those that you invest in, you're pretty much going to be invested mostly in the largest companies in America because of the way that those portfolios are created. Mm -hmm. We won't get into the nuances of that because we don't have enough time for this show. Uh, But I think we've covered a little bit of that, like how they um, create uh, portfolios and indices and things like that in one of the episodes at some point. I don't know the one off the top of my head, but if you go back and look at them, I'm sure they're in there. Right. So then the next step after we have established, hey, you know, I want a little bit of emerging markets, which is generally like China and um, some of the developing markets around the world, um, or I want some international in there, Europe, things like that. I want U.S. stocks. Once we have that step done, when we're looking at an individual, so 
I'm just going to say two names, not mm-hmm. specific recommendation, but we're looking at a Vanguard VOO, which is the S&P 500 for Vanguard, or we're looking at Schwab's equivalent of that. That is mm-hmm. the S&P 500 index ETF on their side. How do you go about differentiating between those two? Sure. Uh, so back in the day when there was actually trading commissions, it was a little bit easier because usually if you bought the um, fund for the company that custody your money or the place that you had an account with, typically it was a, either a lower or no transaction fee for that. But now... So that, like you're saying, if I have an account at Vanguard, mm-hmm. back in the day, it would have been better to buy Vanguard. I think ETFs. so. I didn't have an account at Vanguard, but I know like if you traded at Schwab, then there was no fee for their ETFs at Schwab. Mm-hmm. But if you bought a Vanguard, there was a fee for buying in the Vanguard. And that's actually still the case a lot of times with mutual funds. Yeah. Um, but now ETFs pretty much trade free everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a place that charges for ETFs or stock trades anymore. So they've taken that factor away. I think you do need to look at, you know, what is the underlying management fee for that ETF or mutual fund? Um, to know what that is, you either need to go to the research tab at, at your particular broker, like your Fidelity, your Schwab, your Vanguard. There's usually like a research or something like that tab where you can go in and you can type in the name of the symbol. Uh, you can go to Morningstar.com. You can go to CNBC. Any of those places that have a little box, those finance websites, they have a little box. You can type in the ticker symbol. Ticker symbol is those like three to five letter abbreviation for a company or an mm-hmm. ETF or a mutual fund. And you, something I learned when I first started here was that three and four are going to be your individual stocks and your ETFs. And then five generally on your ticker is mm-hmm. going to be mutual funds. You forgot one and two. One and two. Also individual stocks, right? Is yeah. there anything else that I'm missing there? No. Yeah. Uh, four is typically NASDAQ. Okay. All right. Got you. I didn't know so, that either. APL, Apple is on NASDAQ. Okay. But 3M is on the Dow. Dow Jones. So. Sometimes I see an equation written on a blackboard, like half an equation. And I'll just figure it out. Is this Goodwill hunting? No. Oh, I didn't know that. Really and there's didn't. something with the single letter ones. I don't know if they're just really old or something. I don't know. Anyhow, so uh, go do your research. Go to a, a finance website. Figure out what you're paying for somebody to construct that ETF. Mm-hmm. So even though you're not paying to buy or sell that, you're still paying something. And you'll actually never see that come out of your account. Because what happens is you own this basket of stocks. You own uh, the ETF. You see a price every day. And every day, like a fraction of a fraction of a percent comes off of the value of that. You don't see an adjustment or anything. It's just factored into the portfolio. They kind of remove a portion for their fees. A little bit more complicated than that, but we'll kind of run with that sort of imagery of it. So you you pay a little bit. Now, for an index ETF, something like an S&P 500 index ETF um, or a broad market index ETF, you're probably paying 0.01 to point. 0.5%. Yeah. So that's very, very, very low uh, as far as getting access to investment markets and investing in like the entire US stock market. So that's pretty good. So I would compare that, but I wouldn't honestly, if, if two funds are exactly the same and they have like a 0.01% difference in fee, there's not really a lot of big difference there. In fact, I think a lot of the times using this company over that company comes down to personal preference mm-hmm. uh, where you're at. For me, uh, as an investment advisor, it actually comes down to liquidity. Like which, and that's 
a fancy term for like how much they're transacted during the day. How liquid is it? And you you see this like, you know, in the housing market. If the housing market's really liquid, then you can sell a house and buy a house a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. If it's a little bit illiquid, you're living like in the middle of corn and wheat fields in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it could take a little bit more time to buy and sell a house. Well, the same thing actually happens in the stock market. If you're in uh, ETF or a stock that doesn't actually trade a lot during the day, then the price that you get may not be as great. Um, now, as an individual investor, you might be buying 10 to 100 to 150 shares. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be okay. But I like to, anytime I'm investing, go into something that a lot of other people are in because it provides enough liquidity and enough interest that I know when it's time for me to sell that, there's going to be buyers there ready to buy. And the best way to look at that and evaluate mm-hmm. what the liquidity is, is normally like the trading volume, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So if you pull up again, go to Morningstar, CNBC, any of those financial websites, you type in the ticker, uh, you'll see fees there. You'll see uh, the dividend that it pays if it pays a dividend. You'll also see uh, like average volume, like the last um, three months or something like that, average trading volume each day. Uh, that actually doesn't tell you anything because you'd have to look at the other ETF or stock <laughs> to understand the comparative. So understand that when when you're looking at all of these things, you're actually you need a reference. You have to compare two things to each other mm-hmm. uh, and see what they are. But honestly, between the big companies, they're all fairly good. They all do a good job. They they wouldn't be in business if they didn't. Um, now there's some more obscure things out there that you will pay more for. And if you're looking at an ETF or a mutual fund and you start to notice that you're paying more than 0.0 something percent, you have to start asking yourself why. That could be because it's an international fund and it costs more uh, to manage that fund. It could be because it's you know like a small cap fund and it costs more. But if you're getting into you know uh, 0.70, 0.8, uh, 1%, things of that nature, now you're actually paying for management to make decisions that it's typically like an actively managed fund. If you're doing that, you have to ask the question why that's in your portfolio and what purpose it serves, why you're not just going with an index fund. Not saying that's wrong, but mm-hmm. you just have to ask why have you now made that uh, cognitive decision to include it in your portfolio. Yeah. And I think for a last point here, what Chris is doing in evaluating these index ETFs mm-hmm. is really beneficial. And it's something that we recommend to a lot of the younger people that we work with. Because you don't have to go in there and think, oh, I'm picking McDonald's because McDonald's is going to go up tomorrow, or I'm, you know, I'm speculating on uh, Tesla or something like that. You can pick one of these broad market index ETFs mm-hmm. that's going to cover several, you know, it has hundreds of stocks that it's tracking, and purchase one of those versus trying to pick individual stocks here and there. That's right. And I noticed behind you is actually a book, a uh, little book of common sense investing. Memory serves me correctly. That's actually a pretty good overview on developing a portfolio, um, mutual funds, ETFs, and stuff like that. So it's been a while since I've read that, but I'm pretty sure if I'm thinking about the correct book, that that is the book that kind of talks about why would you put in US stocks or international, things like that. So um, if you're interested in investing, you're just starting out, uh, that could be a great resource as well. Yeah, that's The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by John Bogle. So kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Very, very, very famous book as well. So hold it up that way. Why don't you wrap this up? Because we've gone way over time. The secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very long time. I got it. (laughs) You got it. Took me a second. Thank you so much. Have a good one. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your questions aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.